Blackwood, a Gothheim tale, written by Clyde Davis. Narration and sound design by Alex Schiffer. Music by Josh Fisher. Episode 7, The Witch of Westgrave The fog seemed to recede as the men stalked through the woods. The thick banks of fog dissipated beneath the canopy, revealing a chaotic spiderweb of entangled branches overhead. At one point it dropped to waist height, and then diminished to a blanket of mist that swirled around the men's ankles and hugged the protruding tree roots and underbrush. The air was still here, the thickness of the trees preventing the invasion of any fresh air, and the heavy smell of a forest, that of decay and growth, filled the men's nostrils. There was a strange twilight within the woods, darkness mixed with the rich tones of the old trees, and a strange green umbra hung over the place like a veil. With the fog no longer all-encompassing, Mary Shaw was far more visible. She wandered through the woods, her hand still frozen in that gesture of offering, and her back in an upright position, as if a stick had slid down the back of her nightgown. Her long, dark hair cascaded down to her lower back, unmoving in the still air of the woods. She moved with ease, navigating the treacherous forest floor, her bare feet stepping overreaching roots and spiteful weeds, and she avoided the touch of any branch or leaf with uncanny agility. Blackwood noticed the absence of tracks in the wake of her path, not even the hint of a single footprint, or the snap of a branch, or the remains of a crushed leaf. It was as if her passage through the woods were an illusion, as if she was not really there. The Inquisitor immediately discarded the idea that he was following a specter as a ludicrous notion. Such thoughts were unwelcome in such a place, where the ancient breath of the trees played their games with the mind, and the schemes of a witch lurked maliciously in the twilight shadows. The two men stepped carefully weaving around wide tree trunks, moving over twisted roots, and avoiding any brush that would give away their position with the unwanted sound of a broken branch. They moved deeper into the woods, taking cover from tree to tree as they followed Mary Shaw. She appeared as a virgin forest nymph, her white nightgown seeming incorporeal amongst the shadows and bent trees. Blackwood still held the shawl in one hand, and in the other, he now held the black coin. Since he and Fee had entered the woods, the coin had begun to pull at his trouser pocket, as it gained weight against the presence of the old ways. The further they moved into the dark forest, the colder the coin grew, and the heavier it became. For now, it was no heavier than a pouch of silver coins. Blackwood kept his fist closed around it, 
not risking dropping it into the undergrowth that covered the ground. Fee followed in the footsteps of the Inquisitor, dagger and revolver at the ready. He had come to question the efficiency of his weapons in their current situation. On either side, the forest disappeared into the horizonless distance, trees becoming dark shapes and shadows until all that could be seen was the strange green twilight that hung over the place. Anything could be lurking out there, or worse, stalking them from those shadows. What was a long dagger and four-shot revolver going to do against whatever waited for them, especially when they were in the process of hunting a witch? The shar in the hand of the Inquisitor gave Fee much relief, though. He had not seen it in use before, but he'd read about it from the text in the Citadel Library, and had heard the stories of what it could do. Mercy be with whatever came charging out of the thickets of the underbrush, and had to face the shar. If anything, his simple dagger and pistol would be used to dispatch whatever the Inquisitor's weapon did not annihilate completely. Nevertheless, he tightened his grip on the handle of the dagger and kept his finger close to the pistol trigger. Whatever would happen, he would be ready. Onward, the three went through the forest. The girl, ghostly in her white gown, leading the way, and the two men, ready for whatever evil may fall upon them, following behind. It seemed like they would carry on walking for what was left of the night when the unending forest ahead began to change. The nightbird cried again, this time closer than ever before, its cry loud and sharp. Blackwood paused and took cover in the bowl formed by two large twisting roots of an ancient bulbous tree. Fee slipped into the natural depression coming to rest in an awkward squad alongside his master. Mary Shaw stopped too. Ahead of her, the trees were less dense. The great earthly pillars more widespread, giving way to a mound protruding from the ground. A wide mouth stretched across the front of the mound, and within it, there was only darkness. A cave. Blackwood leaned against the fat root in front of him, crossing his arms as he surveyed the area. Once, the cave must have been a rough, rocky hump jutting out from the ground, but now it was completely overrun by the undergrowth of the forest. Thick clumps of ferns that young saplings whose roots had managed to find a foothold amongst the crags had come to cover the rock, and now it looked like a massive burial mound, reclaimed by nature. Mary Shaw stood before it, and slowly stretched out her arms, palms turned to the sky, and offered herself to the cave. Again, the nightbird crowed as the girl began to approach the mound of the cave. Blackwood scanned the higher branches of the towering trees surrounding the cave, but could not see the nightbird. The Inquisitor simply watched as the girl disappeared into the black entrance of the cave. At his side, the Inquisitor could sense Fee's restlessness. We should follow, the apprentice whispered. By now, he too had leaned forward, using the large root as a leaning post, both dagger and pistol hanging listlessly over its wide berth. Blackwood remained quiet, 
his attention was focused on the mound of the cave and the high branches around it. It was common for magic kind to use winged creatures as their spies, and he was not going to allow a nightbird to announce their arrival. He waited for another few long moments, peering into the mangled canopy, trying to notice any movement amongst the still branches. Just wait, he replied. Fee followed the Inquisitor's eyes into the canopy and mimicked his master, yet there was no movement. There were no signs of the nightbird in the trees around the cave. We're going to lose Mary to the darkness of the cave if we don't follow, he persisted. Still staring to the canopy, Blackwood gritted his teeth. Fee was right. There was only so much longer they could wait before the girl's path into the cave became unknown. He tightened his fist around the black coin. There were, of course, other ways to track the girl. Yet, focusing on his willpower through the coin to track the trail of magic possessing the girl would leave him vulnerable to attack. And although he had confidence in his apprentice, Fee's recent hesitations in their confrontation with the witch didn't leave him with a sense of security. He had to make a decision. Just as he was about to vault over the route that concealed them, he grabbed his arm. There, the apprentice called, his voice barely a whisper. With the tip of the dagger, Fee pointed at the feeble tree. Withered and struggling for life, far below the line of branches Blackwood had been surveying. Upon one of the tree's weakest branches sat an ominous bird, gaunt and ghastly, the color of midnight. Blackwood nodded. How clever, he thought. And just like that, the winged dirge left another streak and took off from the branch. Its tattered wings spreading wide, the bird flew off into the darkness of the forest. Fee glanced nervously at Blackwood. There was no more time to waste. The Inquisitor leapt out of the ditch and strode toward the mouth of the cave. Fee scrambled after him. Do you think it saw us? He called with a hushed voice. I don't think so, Blackwood answered darkly. Despite his reply, in his secret heart, something was beginning to gnaw at him. And that was the alarming notion that the witch was aware of their presence, even before they had entered the forest. If that was the case, he was unsure what they would face in the darkness of the cave. It was too late, though. He tightened his grip around the shar and pressed on, his eyes set on the mouth of the cave. Blackwood and Fee stared blindly down the throat of the cave. The air was surprisingly fresh and lacked the smell of long-deceased carcasses and animal waste they had expected. The darkness was stubborn here, and no matter how hard they stared into its maw, neither of them could make out anything distinct. This was dangerous, but the Inquisitor kept his concerns to himself. Are you ready? Fee swallowed hard and answered with the only word he could. Yes. The two men strode into the cave, leaving behind the murky twilight of the forest. The way into the cave quickly began to slope downward into the earth, and what little light came from outside vanished. The unspoilt air turned quickly, too, 
and a foul, stifling stench began to meet them from whatever depths the cave reached. They moved silently, following the underground passage as it meandered from side to side. Slowly, their eyes began to adjust to the darkness, and they could make out smaller passageways breaking off from the main tunnel. But Blackwood held their course and pushed on into the blackness. They followed the lines of the cave walls as their only corporeal guide. Blackwood still held on to the black coin in his hand, and with every step, it gained another pinch of weight. As long as it continued to do so, he knew they were moving in the right direction. The foulness of the air worsened, thickening with each breath. The Inquisitor pushed on, following the slow arc of the passageway as it veered left, and Fee walked quietly behind. The darkness seemed to lessen as they pressed on, and Blackwood glanced over his shoulder to look at Fee. For the first time since entering the cave and leaving the dismal twilight of the woods behind, Blackwood could make out the features of Fee's face. The darkness was fading. As they followed the bend in the passageway, dim light, a failing yellow glow, flickered in the distance. It was too far to know its source, and the Inquisitor slowed his pace. Despite the underground cold, sweat gathered between his shoulder blades and trickled down his back. Beneath his coat and waistcoat, he could feel his shirt cling to his body. What is it? Fee asked. I don't know, Blackwood answered. He kept his eyes fixed on the passage and the light at its end. And that on the walls? The apprentice asked again. Blackwood peered through the darkness and saw white tufts of silken webs springing from the cracks in the rock walls. Spiders, the Inquisitor said his voice hard against the silence. It looks like fur. Fee approached the wall to his right to examine the strange glassy tufts and saw bulbous spiders scurrying from the webs, abandoning their haunts to avoid his prying eyes. The glow at the end of the passageway faltered. Shapes shifted across the light, moving from side to side, slowly advancing on where they stood. Fee noticed the movement too and stood frozen against the wall. He tried to raise his pistol in the direction of the moving shapes. Something was wrong. His hand would not move. He tried to raise the pistol again, but still it would not move to his command. Fee looked down at the hand that held the revolver and saw entangling threads reaching from one of the tufts of web wrapping themselves around his hand and snaring it in place. He tried to leap away, but his feet were also rooted to the ground. Threads of web enclosed around his boots and held him where he stood. Panic washed over his body. The wall of spiderwebs was growing as tufts of webs reached out for him. Thousands of searching ends building bridges through the air. A heaving mass of spiders gathered along the base of each reaching tuft, 
and a vanguard of eight-legged hars were already making the first crossings over the tenuous bridges to his hand and feet. Blackwood, he cried, still trying to pull free from the web's clutches. Blackwood turned from the approaching shapes and saw Fee wrestle against what seemed to be a giant claw made of spider webs that reached out from the cave wall. In a blurring series of movements, the Inquisitor whirled the shawl over his head and sent forth a lashing whip of scaled blades from the polished handle. The whip cut through the webs on Fee's arm. Blackwood drew it back to send another sweeping lash across the apprentice's feet but something with the force of the hammer knocked into his chest, sending him stumbling backward off his feet. Crouching where he had just been standing was a hideous form, covered in dirt and all other means of filth. Long hair tangled in thick clumps, stuck out in all directions, making a feral crown around the creature's face. It squatted on its hunches, swaying from left to right, its arms resting on its knees as it watched the Inquisitor get back to his feet. It let out a garbled moan and then scurried back into the darkness of the passageway. The Inquisitor positioned himself, taking the stance to fight, and the slow crackle of magic imbued in the shar filled the passageway as the bladed whip withdrew back into the polished handle. Master, Fee called out again this time the alarm in his voice more dire than before. The apprentice had managed to keep his pistol hand free from the webs, but the tendrils of webs continued to wrap themselves around him. A swarm of spiders advanced over the silken bridges, hungry to deliver their poisonous bites. Yet, it was not the growing snare of webs or the creeping advance of the spiders that seemed to alarm Fee. He raised the four-shot revolver, and fired a single shot down the dark passage. The shot reverberated with deafening thunder against the cave walls, and the Inquisitor could feel its force against his chest in the confines of the underground place. Blackwood looked down the passage and saw three figures stalking the sides of the passageway with inhuman speed. One scurried along the wall to the left, seemingly covering several feet with each bound. On the right, Another sped toward their position on foot, and down the center, something crept low and slower than the other two. Fee fired another shot, the round ricocheting harmlessly from a cave wall in the distance. Burnt gunpowder filled the cave with its acrid smoke, and the calamity of the second shot rang in Blackwood's ears. Stop firing, he ordered, as he watched the three assailants continue unimpeded by the threat of a gun. Shooting wildly into the darkness was doing neither of them any good. He widened his stance and willed the shar into the form of a longsword. The broad blade cracked into existence as the magic captured in the polished handle came alive. From the left, a dark figure lunged from the darkness, becoming visible at the very last moment. But Blackwood had taken his stance and was prepared, even though he caught the attack at the very last moment. He turned on the balls of his feet and moved out of the path of the intended strike. Midway between his maneuver, he parried a strike of his own. He traded the line of the attacker's charge and brought the long blade of the shard down across its path, 
in a single swooping arc. The shar's blade glided through the point where neck met shoulder, and for a moment he felt the resistance of flesh and bone against the blade before it dismembered head from body. Blackwood regained his stance as quickly as he had dodged the charge and prepared himself for the next attack. The other two shapes shifted in the darkness, their advance halted by the sudden dispatching of their companion. Against the wall, Fee struggled to pull free from the entangling webs. The white threads had already climbed up his legs, encasing him in a waist-high cocoon. Other webs were beginning to reach down from the ceiling, more spiders swarming around the ends of those advancing threads. Fee swept his dagger across the surface, slicing and sweeping waves of spiders from his legs, but the webs regenerated quicker than he could cut through them. Soon the attack from the top would enclose him completely. Time was running out for the young apprentice, and Blackwood needed to do something to save Fee's life. He stepped toward Fee and swung the shar at the webs, threatening from the passageway ceiling. As the shar traveled through the air, by the will of the Inquisitor, the longsword transformed back into the bladed whip and cut through the growing curtain of spider webs. The lacerated tendrils, heavy with clinging spiders, rained down upon Fee, and the apprentice quickly turned his attention to taking care of the eight-legged terrors before the agony of a thousand bites overwhelmed him. He could feel the minute denizens of the darkness swarm beneath his clothes, their fangs delivering needle-like servings of pain. One bite was bearable, but the tide that washed over his body felt like a firestorm. Blast, like a moving fist of air, rammed into Blackwood's side, toppling him over onto the hard ground. His shoulder took much of the fall, and you could hear the shoulder of his coat tear against the rough stone. Almost immediately, one of the creatures came bounding out of the darkness at him. Its wild mane of hair congealed with filth and wretched with twigs and leaves. The face that looked at him was nightmarish. Blank white eyes stared from a young face turned grotesque, and a dried waterfall of blood and guts, made of rodents and small woodland creatures, decorated its chin like war paint. The creature gargled something incoherent between its panting breath, and another blast of hardened air shot from its outstretched hands. Blackwood held the shawl up against the spell and channeled his willpower into its handle, directing his resolve toward the charging creature. The shar acted as an amplifier for his resolve, turning it into an antenna for whatever magic he faced. There was a loud clap as his willpower cut through the blast of air, amputating it from its source of power. Nothing more than a strong wind whipped across Blackwood's face, and the charging creature hissed in anger. Blackwood rolled onto one knee and lunged with the shar, its form turning at his command from the whip into a spear, its long-reaching point whistling through the air, seeking the throat of the hideous creature. The thing that charged at him moved with inhuman agility, shifting from one spot to another. Its movements a blur. The fiend ducked beneath the spear and rushed the Inquisitor but Blackwood's experience with the weapon was too great, and as quickly as the spear had struck from the tip of the polished handle, 
It retracted, stopping short of a short sword. As the creature closed the ground between them, the Inquisitor leapt forward in a counterattack and lashed at the fiend's hideous snarl. Again it moved too quickly, and his eyes struggled to follow it completely. It evaded the counterattack and spun upon its feet, taking Blackwood's flank. A sharp pain ripped across his side, and he staggered forward as the momentum of his counterstrike was foiled. He glanced down to see his coat in tatters, and his waistcoat split open. Fine drops of blood seeped through the mesh of armor that lined his waistcoat. Luckily, he thought, if not for the mesh, the strike would have disemboweled him. Blackwood turned to face his attacker, who was already beginning to circle him, its chest heaving heavily beneath ragged garments, its pale eyes glimmering in the darkness. Blackwood noticed the human-like fingers distended into claws hanging at the creature's sides. A blow to an unguarded area from one of those hands would surely mean the end of him. He shaped the shard with his sword, and began to move in a counter-direction, waiting for the next charge. Fee brushed the last remnants of the webs from his shoulders. He could feel the cocoon that encased the lower half of his body constrict his legs and slowly overtake his stomach. Above him, the webs cut by Blackwood were already regenerating. Spiders crawled all over him, and he could feel the heat of countless bites spreading across his hands and neck. Some had even managed to get in beneath his collar, and he could feel the small horrors crawl over his skin, biting as they went. A lightheadedness was beginning to erroach on his mind, and his tongue stuck to the dry roof of his mouth. Poison. He needed to do something to change his situation. In the darkness, he could see Blackwood in combat with one of the remaining creatures. One was dead on the ground already, its head lying lifelessly against the bloody heap of the body it was once attached to. But the one his master now faced had managed to land a successful blow with one of its hideously taloned hands. The thing moved too quickly for him to follow, and he was amazed at how the Inquisitor managed to stand his ground against its incessant attacks. Fee gritted his teeth and slipped the blade of his dagger down in front of his shirt, beginning to cut away at the webs that held him in place. He ignored the spiders trawling his skin and pushed through the weariness that was beginning to overcome him. The dagger cut through the webs easily enough, and his spirit rose with hope until an unclean hand grabbed his wrist and pulled the dagger away from the webs. He looked up and he was met by a terrifying face, a mask of something turned feral, living on what was found in the wilderness. Blank, white eyes glared at him, and a foul stench of filth filled his nostrils. Fear took hold of him, and although he could not bear to look upon the face that stood mere inches from his own, Fee could not find the will to look away. There was something human beneath the hideousness of the face, something young, once innocent. Strands of red hair hung from the tattered mess upon the creature's head, and it seemed to be wearing a dress, torn and discolored. But yes, a dress. He was sure of it. It can't be. 
He looked upon the creature with disbelief and tried to pull his head free from its grasp, but it tightened its hold and he yelled out in pain. His wrist felt like it was cracking. Pain seared up from his forearm and Fee clenched his jaw. The creature looked at him quizzically, its head cocked to the side, in the same way a cat looks at its prey and decides if it's worth playing with or whether to give it a quick death. In the moment it paused to study him, its face softened by curiosity. The creature resembled a girl rather than some awful thing from the darkness. He was struck with disbelief again. Surely not. Once more, Fee tried to free his hand, but the thing twisted it, and the pain shot through his bones and onto his shoulder. He could do nothing but let out another yell. This seemed to give the thing pleasure, and it pulled on his arm again. Fee bit on his lip and winced, refusing to give the creature any satisfaction from his suffering. Slowly, its mouth opened, and continued to do so until it was distended beyond any human possibility. Black and hollow, with the foul stench of rotting earth, the mouth blew into his face with a hot sigh. In an instant, Fee was reminded of Mary Shaw's gaping maw in the candle and cask's common room and her bedroom, and then the apprentice was sure this was not some devil from a nightmare, but one of the missing girls from the other towns. The girl moved her face closer to his, her mouth opening even wider as the distance between them narrowed. Blood trickled from the cuts where the corners of her lips had torn open. From deep within her throat, came the rattling flutter of wings, like the thunder of a thousand chitinous wings rasping and hissing against one another. Glistening carapaces crawled in the back of her throat, in one giant heaving mass, and the noise burrowed into Fee's ears. The fetid smell worsened, and Fee knew death approached from the depths of the girl's stretched mouth. The hot air of the girl's breath moistened Fee's face and he held his breath against the terrible doom it brought. Emperor, have mercy on my soul, he prayed. He clenched his eyes and turned his face away. Spiders scurried all over him, webs entangling his entire body. And it was a matter of seconds before his death crawled from the girl's mouth. In a moment of clarity, just before he was sure of his demise, calm washed over her fee, and the fear which had paralyzed him appeared to vanish. He suddenly remembered the revolver in his other hand. Emperor, have mercy on my soul. The darkness between his face and the girl's was washed in a blinding flash of white light, and the thick smoke of burnt gunpowder filled the air. Fee opened his eyes, his ears ringing with the concussion of the shot. But before him, blue smoke rose from the girl's open mouth and ears. The white film in her eyes disappeared and revealed the dark green eyes of a young woman. Fee looked down at the pistol now in his hand beneath her chin, 
and watched as a thin line of blood began to drip into his hand. The girl's grip on his wrist loosened, and she offered him a confused stare, as if she could not understand where she was or what was happening. All at once she collapsed to the ground, dead in the cold dark of the underground. Blackwood moved to the left, his breathing elevated and his senses turned to the pace of the fight. The sting of the wound at his side was nothing more than an irritant and did nothing to hinder his ability to keep the creature at bay. They had gone several rounds, each time the creature rushing him at its bestial speed, talon-like hands whirling through the air. Although the creature was fast, so incredibly quick, it had little knowledge of combat and maneuvers. It simply charged, stringing together one chaotic action after the other, hoping its speed would be enough to overcome the Inquisitor. Yet skill always triumphed, and if not skill, then luck. From the corner of his eye, Blackwood could see Fee battling against the third creature in what looked to be a close-quarter grapple. There was nothing he could do for his apprentice, not until he dispatched the fiend before him. He could only hope that Fee would be resourceful enough to take his fate into his own hands. The creature began to pace to the right, following Blackwood's movement, remaining in front of him at all times. Its hands began to turn into circular motions, as if it were molding an invisible ball out of the air. Twisting pillars of smoke and spark began to take from within the invisible globe, churning in all directions, until a solid orb of ash and fire swirled between the fiend's moving hands. Blackwood had never seen anything like it before, but he knew what he faced. A spell of some kind, an orb of fire conjured from the power of the old ways. He took hold of the shar in both his hands and held it before him like a conductor rod, preparing for the onslaught of the spell. Like before, he channeled his willpower into the handle, and in a matter of moments, he could feel the might of his resolve amplify, forming a barrier between himself and the creature. He glanced down and noticed how the creature's feet had changed stance it too preparing for its next move. Blackwood could gauge its intentions as clear as the day's light. It would rush him again as soon as it unleashed the orb, most probably in a gambit to take him off guard while he focused his willpower against the power of the spell. It was a clever move, but he would be prepared for it. He waited for the fiend to initiate the attack watching as it continued to caress the orb of fire between its palms. The building tension was suddenly broken by a deafening clap that filled the dark passageway. Blackwood glanced at the source of the thunder and saw the creature before Fee collapsed to the ground, the back of its head a mangled mess of shattered bone and tissue, blue smoke rising from the crater left by the exit of the bullet. It's them, Fee yelled his face pale and drawn in the darkness. It's the missing girls, he cried again. Blackwood looked back at the creature in front of him and saw the momentary look of fear and confusion on its face before the horrible feral quality returned 
and in that moment the Inquisitor saw the girl-like qualities hidden beneath the layers of filth and congealed blood. He could almost visualize the haggard crown of hair combed neatly and tied in place with ribbons chosen by a caring mother. But the moment passed quickly, and before any resemblance of mercy could settle in his mind, Blackwood was on the move. The twisted girl still looked at her fallen companion, her white eyes focused on the heaped body. Blackwood needed no other invitation. He closed the ground between them in three long strides and brought the blade down on the girl's hands in one fell sweep. Her hands toppled from the ends of her wrists, fine fountains of blood spraying into the dark air. The orb of fire blinked twice, and then vanished from existence. Before the tormented girl could let out a cry of pain, Blackwood brought the shard back in a reverse cut and severed the girl's head from her shoulders. Silence returned to the passageway. The Inquisitor wasted no time and hurried to his apprentice. Both of them made quick work of the webs that still held Fee to the ground, but already they could see that they had stopped growing. Even the spiders had retreated back into the darkness. Fee's first steps of freedom were stumbling movements, but he quickly gained his composure, despite the increasing lightheadedness. All across his hands and neck, and some way down his chest and back, he could feel the spider bites burn with poison. Blackwood turned and began to examine the three bodies sprawled in the darkness. Whatever magic possessed the girls was already receding back into the other world, and the haggard and twisted aspect on the now dead faces had faded away, revealing smooth complexions of gentle skin, while the long talons had shrunk into the delicate hands of a young girl's. By the look of it, the girls had been living like animals of the wild. Their dresses were torn and ruined, and their feet nearly black with dirt. What schemes of evil are at work here? Blackwood asked himself. Only moments earlier, the three dead girls were something other. Hideous thralls acting at the will of the witch. Fee's assumption of a coven was seeming more plausible. Had they just killed the first initiates of a new enclave of witches? Blackwood looked upon the dead, with that thought in the forefront of his mind, and he felt little for those he and Fee had killed. He looked toward the glowing light at the end of the passageway, and his thoughts turned to Mary Shaw. This was her fate, to become a wretched she-devil, bent to the command of a witch. Perhaps it was already too late to save her, if that had ever been an option. She had been touched by the old ways, to what degree was still unknown, but it was impossible that anyone touched by magic would escape the judgment of the citadel. The light at the end of the cave flickered with movement, and Blackwood knew that was where they would meet their prey. He was sure of it. Why else would the witch have sent her thralls to meet them? He tightened his grip around the handle of the shar and stepped toward the light, 
Fee joined at his side, his face drawn but resolute, and Blackwood felt encouraged by his apprentice's strength. They strode into the failing darkness, leaving the bodies of the dead girls behind them. The smell of dank earth and decay grew stronger as they approached what seemed to be a chamber. A voice whispered in the back of Blackwood's mind, Killer of Children. It was a gentle, soothing voice, the voice of a seductress. There's a voice in my head, Fee whispered. Blackwood looked at the young man and nodded. This is mine. She's telling me impossible things. Master, she's promising me things. Fee's voice trembled as he spoke. She's lying to you, the Inquisitor growled. Ignore her deceits. Nothing she offers you is real. Anything the witch says or promises you will only lead to death. Killer of children. The soothing voice uttered in his mind again. The entrance to the chamber grew nearer with every step toward it. Blackwood gathered his strength against the fear of what awaited them in that flickering light. He clenched the coin in his hand until he could feel its edges cut into his skin. The black token and shar were keeping the witch from his mind, holding her whispers at bay. But he could see the strain on Fee's face. The apprentice was fighting against the intrusion of his mind, but it was taking its toll on him. Blackwood would offer him the black coin, even the shar, if he could but the boy had no training with the token, and it would offer him no aid, and the hollowed weapon would more likely kill him before it bent to his will. A shar was bound to a single inquisitor. This is how it had always been. Again, he felt powerless to help Fee, and it would be up to the boy himself to determine his fate. The Inquisitor could not fight the battle in Fee's mind on the boy's behalf. The Inquisitor and his apprentice walked into the pool of light emanating from the entrance of the chamber. Blackwood looked at Fee with those hard black eyes. Whatever happens in there, Fee, remember who you are. Remember your name. Remember that you are an apprentice of the Citadel, initiate of the Inquisition. Do not give in to any illusions or temptations you may face. The witch is a master of deception. I will do what I can to make this swift. Sweat beaded on Fee's face. Spider bites, swollen and red, pocketed his neck, and his eyes were glassy. I could feel her in every thought, he stuttered. As long as they are your thoughts, Fee. You're winning the battle, Blackwood said, and with that, he stepped into the chamber at the end of the passageway. The chamber looked like a sepulcher. Hundreds of black dragon candles, conjoined by rivulets of melted wax, formed steep slopes along the curved walls. It was said that the flame of a dragon candle would never die, as long as the one who lit it still drew breath a living bond between flame and soul. The Fae had found ways to manipulate that bond, 
drawing on the energy of the eternal flame to cast powerful magic. Blackwood had never witnessed the ruin brought on by the power pulled from the dragon candle before. But he'd read about the everlasting curses bound to these wax artifacts. He gazed upon the number amassed in the chamber with disbelief. They were rare artifacts, and to see so many in one place was unheard of. Odd figures of bone and branches hung from rough string, cluttering the stone ceiling. A mural faded to near nothingness, and painted from natural pigments, still survived on the far wall, the last remnant of an ancient shrine. Mary Shaw stood in the front of a large mound of dragon candles. Her palms opened to the flames, her back to the entrance of the chamber and the two men. So enters the killer of children and his loyal pup. A woman's voice slowly purred. The witch sat in a circle of dragon candles in the center of the chamber. She was bare down to the waist, and her sun-kissed skin glistened in the candlelight. Her back arched as she traced foreign shapes in the sand with a bone talon. Blackwood could not avert his eyes from the witch, and even though she still looked down at the symbols drawn in the sand, he could feel her gaze burrow into him. Fee took a step toward her, and Blackwood stretched out his arm and barred Fee from taking another step. Stop, Fee, he ordered. The witch twisted the talon through the soil, drawing one last rune beside the others and pausing, as if contemplating what she had written, before looking at Blackwood. She was unlike the terrible image Fee had described. There was no scaled face of a hag, twisted and corrupted by age and black magic. Instead, a young face, strikingly beautiful, looked upon him. Thick black hair, matted with leaves and twigs, fell past her shoulders and covered her naked breasts. Upon her brow sat a crown of white feathers a stark contrast against her smoky hair. A band of coral was painted across her eyes, and her lips, frighteningly alluring, were covered with the same black pigment. Her golden eyes moved from Blackwood to Fee, and she smiled, revealing sick black teeth behind those tempting lips. Have you come to kill another one of my children, Hunter? The witch asked, her eyes still fixed on Fee. No, I've come to kill you, Blackwood declared. The blade of a longsword formed from the polished handle of the shawer, and the Inquisitor stepped in front of his apprentice. An insidious laugh emanated from the back of the witch's throat, an unnatural laugh that haunted her words and seemed to come from her black soul. Don't insult me, she hissed. You and a dozen of your kind cannot bring me down. As for that foul thing in your hand, you will not shed a drop of my blood. 
Three of your minions lie dead in the dark, and nothing will keep you from the same fate. Blackwood took another step forward. His senses heightened. Children, the witch crowed, her voice rising to a horrible tone, and for a moment her beautiful face twisted into something hideous. All around the chamber, the dragon candles erupted with brilliant flames. Magic crackled through the air. Your coven is destroyed, and I won't allow you to take the girl, the Inquisitor declared. The witch glanced at Mary Shaw. Coven? She laughed again, the cackle rolling from the depths of her chest. Is that what you think this is? The gathering of a coven? How foolish of you, she sneered. The witch stood up from her haunches and stretched her back and arms luxuriously, as if the presence of an inquisitor gave her little concern. Blackwood looked past the arrogance, and yet he could see no worry in the witch. A voice of alarm whispered in the back of his mind. Something is not right. He quickly shoved it aside. The witch walked over to Mary Shaw and ran her fingers down the girl's long black hair. She's my daughter. Can't you see that? The witch teased, her golden eyes flaring dangerously in the candlelight. Those three girls in the dark were my daughters too. We see the stealing of village girls differently, said Blackwood flatly, slowly taking another step toward the she-devil. Witches were treacherous foes, fragile and easy enough to dispatch if one managed to get close, but they could strike like a snake. The Inquisitor advanced cautiously. We, the witch spat the word out. We? You mean the Citadel? The Inquisition? The word of man? How dare you tell me how to see the world? I've seen how differently you see the world. Blackwood allowed the witch to speak, taking another careful step forward. He was slowly whittling away at the distance between them. The witch turned Mary Shaw around to face Blackwood, and ran the tip of the bone talon along the girl's chin, her golden eyes smiling greedily at the Inquisitor. The girl was frozen in the witch's enchantment, her eyes white and unseeing. You see this is stealing, no? Wait, in your tongue the word is kidnap. You see this as kidnap. I see it as reclamation. The dragon candles flared again, dispelling all shadow from the chamber. The vision of Megan rolled through Blackwood's mind again, the great fire consuming the town. The Baldurim on the hilltop, the seven women tied to stakes and put to death in the dark of the night. As the images raced behind his eyes, he could sense the witch standing on the edge of the light cast by the burning pyres. The dank underground air gave way to the smell of smoke souring the fresh hilltop air. He could see the eyes of the girl tied to the stake 
staring at him through the flames that ravaged her. He could see her face in the hellish light and saw Mary Shaw, children, mother, as quickly as the vision erupted in his mind. Blackwood found himself back in the witch's chamber. Impossible, he muttered. Again the feeling of wickedness came to mind. But possible in the old ways, the witch countered. The tale of Megan and that of the Seven Sisters was at least a century old. The witch grinned, revealing the hideous line of black teeth again, and laughed as if she could see the disbelief blooming in Blackwood's thoughts. You do not believe that I can be the same witch who gave birth to those executed in Megan. The witch's eyes flashed malevolently. No witch that old still lives, Blackwood barked. Your words are lies, and I'll hear no more of it. You will die in this room, and the girl will be saved from your schemes. The Inquisitor took a bold step forward and raised the shar before him. The witch's eyes flickered with the first sign of concern at the sharpened edge of the hollowed weapon. She pointed the bone talon at the symbol of the Inquisition hanging from Blackwood's neck and hissed. There is plenty the Citadel knows nothing of, she taunted. Take the girl from me you may, but I will have my children back. A storm is coming, and the Black Tower of Gothheim will fall beneath its weight. Heed my words, Hunter. The Citadel will stand for a thousand years, Blackwood growled. Now suffer its judgment, he declared. Fee barely felt the arm of Blackwood come across his chest. He could scarcely remember walking into the brightly lit chamber for that matter. Mary Shaw stood somewhere to the side, out of sight like a phantom. Blackwood was beside him, but it felt like the Inquisitor was miles away. He could hear Blackwood's voice in the distance, like a murmur on the back of a distant wind. The only thing that seemed real was the woman before him. He knew it was the witch but he could feel nothing but adoration for her. It nearly bordered on worship. She transfixed him as she rose to her feet. Locks of black hair fell across her bare chest, almost all the way to her navel. She slowly approached him, her long legs moving in supple strides beneath the worn dress that hung from her hips. Golden eyes shone brilliantly from the band of black charcoal across her face. I can see your thoughts, pup, she crooned. Fee could not take his eyes from her. Every movement of her body was a temptation. Inside his mind, he tried to resist her, recalling her true appearance. The twisted and gnarled hag of the fog. The hideous wretch from the inn. Her true appearance. Or had that all been an illusion? Was this an illusion? He couldn't be sure. His mind was in conflict, his thoughts devouring each other, like rapacious wolves. As long as they are still your thoughts, 
Luckwood's words spoke to him, but the Inquisitor's voice was soft and weak against the growing presence of the witch. She was quickly taking hold in his mind, infecting every thought. Even the ceaseless pain from the spider bites had become nothing more than an irritation. You thirst after me, she whispered, her bare feet stepping lightly across the stone ground. I can see it in your mind, she cooed. Carnal thoughts punctuated Fee's mind. Feral visions pulsed violently in his head, visions of he and the witch becoming one. He could feel the pleasure of the witch on top of him, as well as the pain within his soul as her magic consumed him and drained him of his essence. Her lips tasted sweet. Her breath was unbearable. His body flew, and his soul crumbled into dust. Both death and life mingled within him as the witch took him for herself, wilderness consuming his humanity. Fee tried to fight the onslaught, but a dampening fatigue was beginning to enroach on the fringes of his mind, and he could feel his willpower slip. In the distance, as if beyond the horizon, Fee could hear Blackwood speak. We see the stealing of village girls differently. The Inquisitor's voice was foreign like something beyond the dream state he found himself in. Fee pushed against it, but a white-hot lance of pain shot through his thoughts. Don't deny it, the witch whispered. She was upon him now, her one hand sliding across his shoulder, whilst the other drew the point of a bone talon down his cheek. He could smell her now. She carried the scent of dark earth, rich and raw. And beneath it was the smell of filth, like foul feathers and decay. Be gone, he managed. Another lance of pain bolted through his body, and he could feel the tip of the bone talon cut into the side of his face, and the witch pressed it against his skin. No she whispered into his ear. He tried to recoil from the smell of death that came from her mouth. It's been so long since I enjoyed a young man like yourself. Another series of perverted scenes flashed through his mind. Exhilaration and annihilation, rapture and doom. He could feel the oiliness of the witch's power consume him. There was a sweetness to her, a taste. He could not deny. But the wretchedness of her being also sickened him. Blackwood's voice echoed from the depths of some other realm. Impossible. It all seemed impossible to Fee. The witch circled him, walking around his back, dragging the bone talon across his shoulders. He could feel its tip cut through his shirt and draw blood from his skin pain and pleasure. The witch leaned over his shoulder, and a thick tongue, purple and wet, crawled from her mouth and licked a drop of blood from one of the oozing spider bites on Fee's neck. He will try to take the girl from me, she whispered. Fee's eyes followed her finger as it pointed to Blackwood. 
who now stood a few feet away from him. The Inquisitor seemed to be confronting someone, but he could not see. Had he not been speaking to the witch, nothing seemed to make sense. The only constant was her voice. The tip of the grotesque tongue reached into his ear, and the witch sighed a soft breath of air. The sickening smell of it filled his nose, and yet he wanted more. He could feel it consume his head, like a noxious cloud, and the chamber slipped into a blur. Ahead of him, only Blackwood remained clear. You must stop him, Fee, the witch insisted. You must help me. Fee suddenly became aware of both the dagger and the pistol in his hand. Now suffer its judgment. The Inquisitor's voice boomed through the chamber like thunder. You must stop him. The witch hissed into his ear. Now suffer its judgment. Blackwood bellowed. He'd grown tired of the witch's lies. His duty was to bring the fiend to its destruction and not to listen to its black reasoning. He lunged forward with the shar, willing the weapon into the form of a spear. Energy cracked through the fiber of the shar's living wood, and the weapon extended into a pole arm as it flew through the air towards the witch's throat. A deafening thunder exploded in the chamber, and something hot cut through his left shoulder, sending him reeling. The spear sailed wide, missing the witch and burying its tip into a heap of dragon candles against the wall. Blackwood turned, pulling the spear from the mound of wax, and saw Fee pointing the four-shot revolver at him. Blue smoke trailed from the gun's barrel. The witch now stood behind the young apprentice, her long tongue slithering back into her smirking mouth like a bloated snake. Her golden eyes glared at Blackwood with nothing but hate. Fee, Blackwood cried, looking at his apprentice and the witch. Already a strong stream of warm blood followed from the wound in his shoulder, and the searing pain ran through the bones of his arm, but he still managed to hold the tight fist around the black coin in his palm. Fee pulled the trigger of the revolver again. There was nothing but a hollow click. Apprentice and Master stared at each other for a moment, before Fee charged forward. Fee, don't do this! Blackwood yelled again, but his apprentice would not listen. The young man ran toward him, eyes distant and elsewhere, dagger drawn and ready to strike. Suddenly, from their rear, Two pale arms reached around Blackwood's neck and pulled him off stance. Mary Shaw. The witch's horrible laugh echoed off the walls of the chamber, and the dragon candles burned furiously. The Inquisitor regained his balance against the surprise attack from Mary Shaw and threw his head back like a hammer. The hard crest of his skull crashed into the softness of Mary's face, and the loud crack of bone filled his ears. He didn't hesitate. Blackwood looked over his shoulder and saw the girl reeling backwards, 
torrents of crimson blood pouring from her broken nose. He swung his arm around, gritting through the pain in his shoulder, and buried the back of his clenched fist into the girl's left temple. Mary Shaw toppled over, bouncing off a row of candles and hitting the ground with a heavy thud. In the meantime, Fiat closed the ground between them, and he was almost upon the Inquisitor. Blackwood turned the first lunge from Fee with a well-timed parry from the polearm of the Shar spear. Fee turned immediately and swiped across the Inquisitor's chest. The blade of the dagger flashed brightly with candlelight. Blackwood blocked again, and pushed the young man back with a forceful shove. Listen to my voice, Blackwood pleaded. Remember who you are. Remember your name. Fee looked at him blankly, his face bereft of any youth. A fine cut ran down his cheek, and a fresh line of blood trickled from it. Black rings circled his reddened eyes, and the pallor of his face screamed of the dead. A dark layer of grime stained the side of his head where the witch's tongue had cast its spell. Enchantment. The young man was under the witch's influence, and the only way to free him was to kill the witch, or inflict a harsh measure of pain upon his apprentice. Blackwood looked to the side, and saw the witch stalking him from across the chamber. The mesmerizing beauty of her face was now mangled with the hungering anticipation of his death. An evil glee filled her eyes as she enjoyed the Inquisitor's contemplations. Blackwood was beginning to doubt his ability to defeat this witch, especially without the aid of his apprentice. But even if he were to save Fee, the young man would certainly be in no condition to fight once freed from the witch's spell. He gritted his teeth the choices on offer. Do you hear me, Fee? Blackwood called again hoping his apprentice would hear his voice through the murk of whatever magic held him to the witch's will. The apprentice remained silent, but answered with an advancing step, the dagger held ready for another attack. The Inquisitor clenched his jaw and fortified his resolve. "'Forgive me, young boy,' he whispered. "'Perhaps one day you'll be grateful for what I'm about to do.' He launched himself at the Inquisitor again, his arm draw highly ready to bring the dagger down in a long, sweeping action at the master's face. It was a wild move, an impractical move against the likes of an Inquisitor. Blackwood took a step back, and according to his will, the Shar shifted back to the form of a longsword. In one fluid move, too quick to follow, Blackwood met Fee's attack with the edge of the longsword Shar, and separated hand from arm. Fee let out a harsh, guttural cry as he fell to the floor, clutching the stump at the end of his arm, and the witch crowed with laughter. Before Blackwood could turn to face her, the witch was upon him, sailing through the air like a black blur. Golden eyes and wicked teeth leered at him as her long brown fingers reaching for him. Blackwood was knocked from his feet by the force of the charge and landed heavily against the stone ground. The witch fell on top of him, crouching on his chest, one long thumb already digging into the bullet wound in his shoulder. A fresh wave of pain ran through his arm. 
he tried to raise his other arm and bring the shar upon the witch, but the she-devil already had it pinned with her other hand. The strength of her slim body was deceiving. She held him fixed in place, her body pressed against his, unable to break free. She leaned down to his face and met his dark eyes with her penetrating golden orbs. Weren't you going to kill me, Hunter? She teased. She stretched open her mouth, and the thick purple tongue leapt out and licked Blackwood's face. Now I will kill you, she said, her words carrying, despite the horrible tongue writhing from her open mouth. Or perhaps I should curse your soul, child killer. Death is a gift for you. You and your kind deserve to be hunted, like we've been hunted. I know what I'll do. A sickly laugh rolled out of her, almost childish but evil. I'll mock you, Hunter. She buried her thumb deeper into the hole in his shoulder. I'll mock you for my kin, so that you will be pursued until your last days on this earth. The children of the Fae will hunt your body and your soul. What do you say to that, Inquisitor? The witch sneered. Blackwood met her golden eyes and said nothing. He held his resolve and began to shift the black coin in his hand. Remember your name. Pain. Worse than he ever experienced, pull fee from the dreamlike state. At first, there was only a smoky haze, but the burning agony at the end of his arm brought the stony ground into focus. Cold sweat soaked through his shirt, and weakness racked his body. His head was swimming, and he struggled to gain focus. He rolled over and looked at the end of his arm, and saw nothing but a clean end, and a rhythmic bubbling of blood from the gaping wound. A few feet from where he found himself, he saw his hand lying in the dirt, the dagger still held between pale dead fingers. He had no memory of what happened, except that the voice of the witch was no longer in his mind. He could no longer feel her oily presence on his soul, Fee's vision blurred, and he retched on himself. In his other hand, he still held the pistol. A struggle across the floor drew his attention. To the side, he saw Mary Shaw sprawled against the edge of the chamber wall. Whether she was alive or not, he couldn't tell. A few feet from her, Blackwood was pinned against the ground. The witch perched upon his chest whispering to him in some foul language. Fey tongue. The she-devil's thick tongue coiled like a snake between their faces, and she seemed to be tormenting a wound in his master's shoulder. Fey gathered what senses remained to him, and courage too, and flicked the cylinder of the revolver open. Empty. He was sure there was one shot left. He dropped the gun to the ground, and with his remaining hand, 
pulled a pouch of bullets from the inside pocket of his coat. He fumbled for a bullet, dropping one to the ground, and scrounging in the dirt to get a firm grip on it. After what seemed like an age, he finally managed to grab hold of the bullet and clumsily slipped it into one of the four empty chambers. Blackwood groaned, and Fee could make out the skin-crawling snicker of the witch. His master needed him. He snapped the cylinder back into revolver frame with a violent twist of his wrist and took comfort in the warm click of metal against metal. Lifting the pistol, Fee leaned on his mutilated arm, wincing in agony, fighting against the darkness around the edges of his vision, and took aim at the witch upon Blackwood. He steadied his irregular breathing for a moment and took a long breath as he took aim down the barrel of the revolver. The spot between the witch's shoulders marked. The gunshot filled the chamber with another deafening roar, and two feathers from the witch's crown were obliterated by the passing bullet. The witch turned from Blackwood and screamed at the beleaguered man lying in the dirt. The Inquisitor needn't look to know Fee had somehow, by the grace of the Emperor's, managed to fire another round from his revolver. Blackwood took advantage of this distraction and lifted the hand holding the coin and pressed it between the breasts of the witch, firmly placing the black token against her skin. Immediately, the coin took on the weight of a heavy stone as it pulled at the magic in the she-devil and turned frighteningly cold. The weight of the coin bore down on his wounded shoulder, but Blackwood held it in place. If they were going to escape, he had no other choice. The witch cried in pain and whipped around, her golden eyes burning with anger. The dragon candles erupted, sending bright shards of light upward, illuminating the witch's face. Dark, twisting lines pulled at her skin turning her striking looks into a mask of nightmares. She grabbed the wrist of the hand that held the black coin, letting go of Blackwood's other hand, the one that held the Sharer. In an instant, Blackwood wheeled a long needle-like form from the polished handle and drove it up and buried it between the witch's ribs. The grotesque, pythonic tongue snapped back into the witch's mouth, and she released a terrifying wail. Blackwood met her eyes, the power and the hate and the golden orbs dissolving into fear and panic. The dragon candles turned into furnaces, black wax retreating beneath the growing heat, and a wind gathering in the chamber swirled along the walls, turning into a stinging whirlwind. Fee buried his face into the pit of his arm, but Blackwood held the coin to the witch's chest and did not let go of the shower. The wind howled, and the whirlwind turned faster, pulling more dirt into the coiling air. The dust devil gathered around the witch, concealing her completely in a shifting gyre of sand, and, as quickly as it gathered, the wind died, and the maelstrom disintegrated. Silence crept into the underground chamber, 
The strange figures and ornaments hanging from the ceiling swung violently in the wake of the phantom wind. Blackwood sat up from the ground, the wound on his side and the bullet hole in his shoulder disagreeing with the movement. Fee looked at him from across the chamber, bewildered and relieved at the sudden stillness. Is she dead? The question was more of a plea from the battered apprentice. Blackwood looked at the dragon candles around the chamber. Not one had been extinguished, and he felt a heavy darkness settle on his heart. Just gone, he said, hoarsely. The journey back to Westgrave was a beleaguered one. Blackwood and Fee trudged through the forest with the unconscious Mary Shaw between them. Fee, with his incapacitated arm bound to the makeshift tourniquet that was Blackwood's belt, had his right arm swung around the girl's waist, while the Inquisitor supported from the left. The early light of dawn had begun to sneak through the canopy of the trees by the time they left the cave, and as they crossed the tree line between the woods and the village, the day seemed less gloomy. The fog beside the village was nearly gone, and for the first time, Blackwood could survey the settlement with clarity. The cobbled street was narrower than the fog had made him believe, and the houses running along each side of the singular road were simple abodes. Further down, the inn towered over everything else, as the only two-storied building in the village. The village folk had gathered in the road to wonder at the sudden break in the fog when three survivors emerged from the woods. Frightened stares and gaping mouths followed as they pushed through the last stretch to the inn. Most barely recognized Fee as the young gentleman who had spent nearly a fortnight in their village. Swollen spider bites, a bloody stump lassoed by a leather belt, and his weathered face gave him the appearance of a war casualty stricken by a skin pox. Others gasped at Mary Shaw, her face bloodied and nose bent, being carried between the two strangers from Gothheim. None dared to look at the Inquisitor. His wide-brimmed hat covered most of his face with a dark shadow. But the terrible strength that remained his eyes was awful to look at. Blood still glistened from the wound in his shoulder, and his hands were cut and bruised, his clothes torn and dirtied. The shar was back in its holster, concealed beneath his coat. Although no one met the Inquisitor's glare, or had the courage to look upon his hard face. The village folk of Westgrave all stared at the black candle he carried in his free hand. The candle was thick enough that the man's fingers could not reach around and touch each other, and the flame that burned at the end of the wick seemed untroubled by the gentle breeze that blew the fog away. It was a dragon candle, something none of the people of Westgrave would be familiar with. Blackwood ignored their gawking stares, and ordered Fee to hurry for the inn. They would catch the next train from Westgrave mid-morning the next day. Blackwood had retreated to his room, and he had decided not to leave it until it was time for the train. He attended to Fee's wound, cauterizing the stump with a cloth's iron heated in the hearth downstairs, and the young man now slept in the feathered bed of his own room. As for Mary Shaw, 
the Inquisitor allowed her mother to wash the grime and blood from her, but the girl had not yet awoken. It made no difference to Blackwood, awake or asleep. Tomorrow would be the last morning the girl spent in Westgrave. He would be taking the girl back to Gothheim, to the Citadel to be exact. If his Inquisitor's intuition was right, and it had never failed him, there would be much he could learn from the girl. She had been bound to the witch, and there was no knowing what the she-devil had inadvertently transferred to the girl. Once both Fee and Mary Shaw had been taken care of in the common room of the candle and cask, Blackwood told the people of Westgrave about the cave in the woods, and of the three girls he was forced to kill, for they were under the power of the old ways. To a hushed audience, he related the news of the witch. He said nothing of the witch's escape, but told the village folk they had been freed from the fiend's clutches, and that the Inquisition's business was at an end in Westgrave. At this, the people sighed a unified breath of relief. In the darkness of his room, Blackwood sat on the edge of the bed and tended to his own wounds. He had taken what linen was left from wrapping Fee's arm and bandaged his shoulder. A violent bruise had formed along his ribs from where the witching girl had struck him, and he was certain one or two bones had been broken. Perched on top of the table in the room stood the dragon candle, its everlasting flame burning silently, unmoving and unchanging. He had severely wounded the witch, burying the long blade of the shar into her ribs, but the dragon candle burned strongly. As long as its flame burned, he knew the witch was still alive. He tied the ends of the bandage around his shoulder, leaned back onto the bed, and rested his head against the wall. He clenched his jaw against the pain in his side, and watched the dragon candle burn, the flame hovering against the darkness. The night was quiet, and there was little sound in the inn. Even the common room was still. A foreboding weighed heavily on Blackwood's heart. A dread that kept him from sleeping. The witch was gone. Its prey lay asleep in the room next door, in possession of secrets that only time would reveal. Yet these were not the sources of his distress. The candle remained constant in the darkness, and Blackwood closed his eyes, the silhouette of the flame still bright against the back of his lids. As long as the dragon candle burned, he would hunt the witch, for he was an inquisitor of the citadel. As long as the flame burned, he would be hunted, for in his secret heart, he knew he was cursed. This has been Blackwood, a Gothheim tale, adapted for audio from the works of Clyde Davis. You can find the print version of this story on paperback through Amazon. Continue supporting Clyde by subscribing to Narrative on Substack, where you can find new stories from him weekly, 
This podcast is narrated and sound designed by Alex Schiffer, with intro and outro music by Josh Fisher. Album art is done by Waldo Buckner, who you can find on Instagram. Thank you for listening, and join us next time for more Blackwood.